It is happy hour on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Here on the morning after, we're going to take this entire hour to talk the NFL. It is week three. I am excited because we've got overreaction week two out of the way. There's still some overreactions to react to going into week three. And we're going to start with our West Coast wake up after I get to the playoff conversation because I do believe that the playoff conversation needs to be had. Even though last year all these games expanded or the teams expanded from 12 to 14 games, Ben, now we're going to see Monday night football on wildcard weekend. And to me, having a Monday night football on wildcard weekend where you're going to have just two teams who are wildcard teams in that matchup, that kind of messes things up for you. Yeah, it's prime time. Yet now you're going to be on a short week going into the divisional round. What do you think about it? Yeah, it's very much a bummer for the teams that have to play on Monday night from an actual football schematics perspective because, yeah, you have maybe a little bit more time to prepare for that Monday night wild card game against your opponent. But then if you win that game and there will be one winner turning around to have to play on six days rest at that point in the season in the middle of January against a team that earned a bye Even if it's Sunday, I mean, that's going to be very difficult for whatever one of those teams is in that wild card game on a Monday night. But as we know with the NFL, money is what drives everything. Football is king. So they're going to do it, try to get more primetime eyeballs and a bigger TV revenue share and all that good stuff that comes with it. So that's what really is happening here when you look at the new schedule. Yeah, money is king, and money is going to be generated by the sports books on this game. It's going to be the most exciting game to watch this weekend, Tampa Bay and the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Rams had a line flip. The Rams opened up as one-and-a-half-point favorites at home. It's the first game that Tampa Bay is going to have on the road this season. They started off the year with two games, Dallas and Atlanta, both in Tampa. First road trip, going out west. And they are now favored, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, by minus one and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Ben, how much are you going to take the line flip into consideration when betting this game? Well, I think the line flip is warranted. We looked at this game on Tuesday as we were looking ahead to the early week three lines. And at that point, like you mentioned, Tampa was getting a point and a half as the road underdogs. I thought this was coming. I thought it would be closer to a pick by the time we got to Sunday. And there still might be more line movement on this game between the Rams and the Bucks. And when you look at this game, could we take a bigger picture perspective to it? A possible... NFC Championship game preview. The Bucks, the favorites right now to get back to the NFC Championship game at plus 260 to win the NFC Conference Championship for a second straight year. The Rams are tied with the Niners and the Packers who also play this week for the second shortest odds in the NFC right now at plus 650. So when you look at this game, I also look at the total, which is at 55 and a half. It's one of the highest totals of the entire weekend. Let's not forget, when you look at these two teams, we're talking about Two really good defenses. So far this year, the Rams, the eighth best scoring defense, only allowing their opponents to rack up 19 points per game. The Bucs haven't been that good. They've allowed 27 points per game to their opponents. But last year, both of these teams ranked in the top seven in scoring defense. The Rams were second best in the entire NFL all year long last year. 19.3 points per game for their opponents. The Bucs, 21.6 points per game for their opponents. We know both offenses are good. We know both offenses are going to air it out. Both Matthew Stafford for the Rams and Tom Brady for the Bucs. Tom Brady had five touchdown passes a week ago. But I think that total is slightly inflated by the public nature of this game. Still two really good defenses. If I had a lean it would be to the under of that 55 and a half point total. 
Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience, third final hour here on the morning after. Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Mattier 1090 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. I'm looking towards the Rams in this spot. I do believe that Tampa Bay is being a little bit overreacted to. Tampa faced two bad defenses, Dallas, Atlanta. I would rather take the plus one and a half with the home dog in this situation. Let's see what Tampa Bay is really made of facing a top-notch defense. I've mentioned this to a lot of people, including the man that just popped up on the screen, Jim Sonis, who's coming up next from Fandle and Number Fire. I told him on his podcast yesterday, the, the Ravens fans joke whenever I went to games at Gillette when Brady was the Patriots quarterback. Whenever the Ravens had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, that crazy defensive front, the Ravens were able to beat Tom Brady and his Patriots teams two out of the three times that he played that they played them in Foxborough in the playoffs. I was at both of those games. It was a joke because when you had tough defensive players, all you did was laugh at Brady because all he does is duck and cover. He doesn't want to take the big hit. He's going to get rid of the ball, and he's going to do it quickly. And if he doesn't have a receiver open, he's going to throw the ball away. That's just the way Brady is. He hasn't had a defense like that yet. Dallas, Atlanta. Now who does he get? The defensive player of the year, multiple times, Aaron McDonald. Duck and cover Brady. Kansas City uh, is going to be facing the Los Angeles Chargers, and this one's a six-and-a-half-point spread. Ben, how much do you believe the Chargers keep it close like they did week two last year? The Chiefs are one of five teams in the NFL at this point that are winless against the spread. 0-2 so far this year. If you were going to look at the metrics, especially defensively, the favor would be for the L.A. Chargers, the seventh-best scoring defense so far this year. The Chiefs, the fifth-worst, allowing over 32.5 points per game to the team that they are playing. The Chargers also a lot better in every other defensive category you have. The Chiefs, the worst rush defense in the NFL, giving up 267 passing yards per game. That's why I look to the prop market here. Keenan Allen, we'll discuss that a little bit later on. But I think the Chargers can keep this game close. Ben and I will give you our weekend picks in a little bit. However, coming up next, number fire and vandals. Jim Sonis going to join the show. You're listening here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now from Number Fire and FanDuel, it is Jim Stanis. Jim, thanks for coming on with us this morning. I appreciate it. How are you both doing today? We're great. We're excited. It's a football Friday. Good, yeah. And I know Ben is really excited because Justin Fields is starting for the Chicago Bears <laughs> this weekend. You sent me your card. You like for the Chicago Bears to go over their team total of 17 and a half points. Why do you believe Justin Fields is going to have some production in his first NFL game? 
Yeah, I think that if you look back to that first game, that where he came out on in relief of Andy Dalton, it didn't look so hot. You know, the numbers were not great there. But I think that those numbers are pretty deceptive because the pick, I mean, the pick happens. It's totally fine. But I think outside of that, he had a drop by Darnell Mooney. There was a drop by Allen Robinson, which would have been a touchdown. And also you have to keep in mind that he didn't get full reps of the first team, like, ever, basically. So we finally got a full week of practice for Justin Fields working with the ones. And I think that's going to lend itself to better success this weekend. I also just am not a huge fan of the Browns defense. They've got some good dudes. Like you look at the names on this depth chart, they're pretty solid. But last year, their production was not there. They looked pretty bad against Terod Taylor before he got hurt back in week number two. We saw the Chiefs be able to mount a pretty big comeback there. So it's a combination of thinking that Justin Fields should fare better in his second in his first full start with the team off of a full week, a full week of practice and thinking that this Browns defense might be a bit overrated. So the the Bears team total is 17 and a half minus 110 in the over. 17 and a half. I was hoping it might not be that number because obviously 17 is a pretty key number for the NFL, but I think that 20 is pretty easy to see for this team. I was trying to find the best way to, you know, get in on this Bears offense, given that I do think that fields will fare better here. And I think this is the best route for doing so. The spread makes me nervous because I think the the Browns offense should be able to move the ball against the Bears defense too. The, the total for the game was kind of tough as well because I think both these teams might be a bit run heavy more so than you'd like. So I think the best route for getting exposure to Justin Fields is taking the team total over 17 and a half and hoping the Bears just offense just moves the football the way I expect them to. Yeah, Jim, that game total overall between the Browns and the Bears on Sunday has fluctuated. It was at 46 and yeah. a half at the open, came down to 45 and a half, now dropping by another hook. It is 45 currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Cleveland Browns, although their defense was very publicized entering this year, a bottom 10 passing defense so far through two weeks of this NFL season, allowing 272 yards through the air. So, Justin Fields might be ripe to take advantage of that Cleveland secondary and possibly do so with one of his receivers that you mentioned in Darnell Mooney. That's another correlated bet you like to that Chicago team total over. Why focusing on Darnell Mooney in the prop market? Yeah, he just fits well with where Justin Fields wins. Justin Fields wins, not just with like rushing, but also like downfield passing. Like Ben, you know this, watching Big Ten football, you know Justin Fields can obliterate a team down the field. And that's where Darnell Mooney is best. He's he's a good deep ball wide receiver, but that didn't matter the first two weeks because Andy Dalton didn't throw deep. He had like one pass over 15 yards downfield, which was to Mooney. When Fields came in, he did go deep three times. His dot was way up from where Andy Dalton was. And two of those deep throws were to Darnell Mooney. Now this bear, these, this second is a tough one because they've got speed. Like that's the thing they've got in that secondary is speed. And Darnell Mooney is pretty fast. So they do match up pretty well with him. But 43 and a half is the yardage prop for Darnell Mooney. And I think with the way he's been utilized so far this year, I think he's run around on every single drop back so far with the way that he is utilized down the field and with the way Justin Fields, I think, will want to play this game. That all sets up pretty well for Mooney at 43 and a half. That's a number that he can get over pretty quickly. So to me, Darnell Mooney is a guy who will be a focal point within this offense now with Justin Fields, obviously behind Allen Robinson. But I don't think the gap between those two guys is as big as perception. So 43 and a half to me, a very fair number to get to get on Darnell Mooney uh, for this week with Justin Fields starting. 
I love props with Jim Sanis, always being able to take those props, and you could probably bring it into DFS. Jim Sanis from Number Fire and Vandal joining us. I do want to go into a different game because I'm still trying to figure out my thoughts on it. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to be facing the Los Angeles Chargers. When these two teams last played, it was the last week of the year. You can't take it into consideration because there weren't really starters playing. Now you've got to look back to week two of last season, and that was the first time we ever saw Justin Herbert play an NFL game. The Kansas City Chiefs were caught off guard. They didn't know what to expect out of Herbert, and this game almost was an upset with the Chargers winning. You like the Chargers to go over their team total of 23.5 points. How do you see this game with a a 6.5-point spread, the Chiefs' favored? How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I think that I, my, my most confident way to attack this game is via the Chargers offense. I think that they will perform well here. I don't know if they'll perform well enough to beat the Chiefs because once that number came off seven, to me, it was a pretty easy cross-off because I have it at 6.15 favoring the Chiefs here. So six and a half, that's about accurate. So not going to get into the Chargers here from a, a spread perspective, but the team total does make a lot of sense at 23 and a half because we have seen the Chargers move the football in both their games so far this year, they just haven't converted when it's counted. And, you know, that could continue. But you look at the bodies on this offense. It's kind of anecdotal. But, like, Mike Williams, Jared Cook, Keenan Allen, those are the kinds of guys you expect to convert inside the red zone. They just haven't done it yet. So 23.5 to me is a number that says that bookmakers may not believe that they'll be able to correct the issues they have inside the red zone. This Chiefs defense has really struggled so far. Obviously, we've known about their issues against the rush in the past, but it's also been an issue where they haven't been able to stop the pass this year either. So I think that Herbert will move the football. I think that that's going to lend itself to points, and I think that Hopefully this time around we won't get those dumb penalties inside the red zone that happened last week. It was such a frustrating game to watch between them and the Cowboys, given the number of failed opportunities that they both teams had inside the red zone. I think they convert this week. So 23 and a half to me, a good number to take the over on the Chargers. And that is my the one route that I want to take in attacking this game. The Chargers and Cowboys total last week was the highest of week two slate at 55 and a half. This one over for the game overall between the Chiefs and the Chargers, 54 and a half. You mentioned it, Jim. The Chiefs defense has been struggling mightily. The fifth worst scoring defense in the NFL so far, 32 and a half points per game for their opponents so far. That would be well over where the Chargers team total is right now. As you look across the board, is there a side that stands out to you in particular for this NFL Sunday slate? Yeah, I like the Cowboys. Uh, it's for it's for Monday, so not Sunday. But I still think that it's a, a really right. fun one there. Cowboys minus three and a half is minus 106. And obviously, you prefer to get the three there. But I think the three and a half is still fair because I don't think it's as close as the books are viewing this game. I've got this game uh, with the Cowboys favored by 5.9 points. So getting three and a half here is totally fair. And I'm kind of surprised because... I don't have home field as being, you know, super advantageous. I've got a one and a half points. So the fact that a home team is being undervalued to me says that I'm just a lot higher on that team than the bookmakers may be. And I'm okay with that with Dallas because uh, with the Eagles, there's no Brandon Graham, no Brandon Brooks this week. Those are two key losses along that team. And the Cowboys showed last week that even with no Lyle Collins, and no Michael Gallup, they could still move the football and get a lot of yardage both through the air and on the ground. I think that the Cowboys offense is still underrated, and I think that that bodes well for them here. So three and a half, a tough number, obviously, but given that I think this game is pretty heavily slanted towards Dallas, I do think that uh, minus three and a half, very okay with me at minus one of six over at FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm okay laying the three and a half here and riding with Dallas. 
Only about a minute left, and we'll keep you for a second segment. However, in DFS, if you had to choose between Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts, who are you going with? I'll go Justin Fields. The salary there is super advantageous for me. Uh, you know, Fields facing the Browns. He's $6,500. That means you can get Travis Kelsey. You can get Dalvin Cook. You can get pretty much every everyone you want with no objections. So I, it's really a salary-based thing, Ariel, where I can get a lot more flexibility with Justin Fields. And again, I think he'll do pretty well. So the floor is good. I think he has a path to a ceiling via some good passing. So I'll go Fields at $6,500. Jim Sanis from Number Fire and FanDuel going to join us for one more segment today. In fact, we're going to touch on the two games that are my favorite games. They're the only two sides that I like this week. So we'll get to those coming up next. You're listening here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Jim Sanis, we've got you covered till noon Eastern time. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on sports grid it is sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein joining us for segment number two it is number fire and fandals jim sonis we're going to continue breaking down this week in the nfl we do have the game of the weekend to talk about and that is the los angeles rams and tampa bay buccaneers the rams are one and a half point home dogs at home against the bucks the total pretty high 55 and a half it's the highest total on the board jim for someone like you that loves daily fantasy you love props you gotta love seeing a 55 and a half right i love it i do enjoy it but i think it's a little bit high i think that i actually kind of want the under on this game at 55 and a half minus 110 over at fanduel sportsbook and i understand why it's so high because it's two teams that will throw a lot they're gonna throw a ton in this game they want to operate fast both those things are awesome for overs but I feel like they might have forgotten that these defenses are pretty good. I know the first two weeks have not been great for either team because, you know, the David Montgomery with the ball in the Rams in week one. We saw the Colts actually kind of do some stuff after Carson Wentz got hurt as well in week number two. And then with the with the, with the Buccaneers, seeing Matt Ryan and the Falcons score points against him last week was pretty concerning. But these are still two good defenses that I do believe in. 55 and a half is just a huge number. So although I do like stacking this game for daily fantasy, I think that Robert Woods is under salary, Tyler Higby is under salaried. I think that Chris Godwin, we can definitely go back to him once again as well. I'm very okay stacking this game for DFS. I think from a betting perspective, the best way to handle this one is the under 55 and a half because like a, let's say a 27-24 game, that's a high scoring game. That's still under the total of 55 and a half. So I think that the under is the best route for attacking this game, even though I do think that there are a lot of factors in this game that do lend themselves well towards an over. Tied for the highest total of the entire slate this weekend at 55 and a half. And Jim, I happen to agree with you. We just touched on this in our West Coast wake up segment right before you came on. These are two top seven scoring defenses from a season ago. The Rams second best in the NFL, only about 19 points per game to their opponent. 
The Bucks, seventh best, just about 21 points per game to their opponent. I think that will show a little bit more on Sunday at SoFi Stadium. I thought when Ariel was teasing that game, she was calling it the game of the week. We were going to talk about New Orleans in New England, in Foxborough, <laughs> because when we had a total of 55 and a half, we then look at a total of 42 and a half between this game for the Saints the and the Patriots. But Jim, you're not looking. Yeah. I mean, we love those unders. Come on, a 42 and a half, that's a Big Ten football game. When you're looking at the Saints <laughs> and the Patriots there, you're not looking total. You're not looking spread. You're looking money line for this game between the Saints and the Patriots. Which side are you taking and why? Uh, as dangerous as it may be, Ben, I, I kind of want to take the, the money line at plus 130 on the Saints, which is scary because it's Jameis Winston against Bill Belichick, which is not a good combination in terms of feeling confident in this bet. But my numbers like it a lot. Uh, they have the, the Saints actually favored in this game. Their win odds are at 55 or 53% for this game. So getting plus 130 on the Saints here, I think it's pretty intriguing because this feels like an overreaction to a dud game. And I feel like a lot of times we can bet a team coming off a dud game. We should look to do so. That was true with the Packers last week. And I think it's true with the Saints here as well because that game just got out of hand early for the Saints against the Panthers. And this Panthers defense, I think, is pretty good. I know that last night doesn't matter because it's Davis Mills, but like I have a high opinion of them. So we've seen the Saints have a rough game. It was against a very good defense. I don't think we're going to see Eric McCoy back for this game for the Saints. He has not practiced yet so far this week. That is definitely a downgrade. But now they've had one additional week to account for the fact that McCoy will not be there, which should allow the offense to potentially operate a bit better than it did in week number two. I also just don't have a super high opinion yet of this Patriots offense because, yeah, I mean, they beat the Jets last week, but they weren't really impressive in doing so. They got four turnovers from Zach Wilson and still didn't do a whole lot with it offensively. The defense, great, totally fine. The offense, to me, I'm still not sold on. It's pretty vanilla. They're not throwing the ball downfield. And we know the Saints can be aggressive at times if they want to with Jameis at quarterback. So, again, it's scary to go Jameis Winston versus Bill Belichick and take the money line here. But I do think just an overreaction line to what we saw in week number two with the Pages getting an easy win. The Saints struggling against the Panthers. I don't expect that to continue. And I think that the, we're getting the Saints undervalued here at plus 130 on the money line. Yeah, another overreaction. This is probably one of my favorite overreaction spots from week two to week three. In the first five weeks of the season, we get some of those spots. And I feel like this yeah. is one of those. Jim Sanis from Number Fire and FanDuel joining us. Let's switch over to DFS a little bit. The stacks are always something to keep in mind. Stacking your lineups is where a lot of people like you, Jim, are successful. Who is going to be your stack this week? Yeah, I think for me, I want to focus for the most part on the potential shootouts this week. So looking at the uh, the Chiefs-Chargers game, looking at the Vikings-Seahawks game, and then, of course, Rams-Bucks. Those are going to be the focal points for me. If I had to like have one lineup, I feel like the one that I'm highest on relative to consensus is that Vikings-Seahawks game, uh, Russell Wilson stack paired with DK Metcalf, running back with Dalvin Cook. I find that to be pretty attractive because Russ is in that range right around Lamar Jackson, right around Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, where he's probably going to get overlooked. But this game, to me, is going to have a lot of offense. The one downside of it is it may be a bit more rush-heavy than you like, a bit slower than you like, but I still think that this game is going to be pretty attractive. Russ is playing indoors. We know where the ball is going, so it's pretty easy to stack him up. So I think DK Metcalf has had great usage the first two games. Hasn't had the same production as Tyler Lockett, but that could very well change around heading into week three. So if you gave me one lineup and said, okay, 
How are you stacking this one? I'm going to go Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Dalvin Cook, taking advantage of a fun game, and then try to get exposure to the Chargers-Chiefs game uh, in other spots within that same lineup. Jim, you are a very smart guy. You are a Northwestern grad. You're a Big Ten guy through and through. My bad, by the way, on jinxing the Wildcats last week against Duke. <laughs> I'll take the onus on that one. But for your ratings and your models for how you predict and look at these games right now, we have a two-week sample size from the very beginnings of this 2021 NFL season. How do you pair those numbers with your preseason projections? I, mean, I can tell you just, like just the actual numbers. Uh, it's 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 one sixth the first two games, and it's five sixths my preseason priors because I think that when you look at like outliers of the first two weeks, that's going to move the priors a lot. If you combine that and make it one sixth the model, so it's not a large portion, but basically I want to make sure I'm reacting enough with not overreacting. So basically what I do is I increase it one twelfth each week effectively to try to, you know, slowly factor in what we've seen through the first two weeks. So it is still pretty anchored in that prior. We do still see teams move quite a bit. Like the Rams moving up quite a bit in my power rankings of the first two games. I can actually sort here and see which teams have moved the most. Green Bay has moved down a pretty decent amount. Arizona's moved up quite a decent amount as well. So there has been movement because of what we've seen through the first two weeks, but I also want to make sure I'm not overreacting because we've seen teams like the Packers have that dud in week one. The Saints had that dud in week number two, and I don't want to overweight that within the model. I will make manual adjustments if I don't think that it's reacting enough uh, in certain spots, but for the most part, I will let it ride and kind of see what it says. So if you want the actual answer, it is one-sixth of the first two weeks and five-sixths the preseason prior. That's crazy. I, when I listen to you speak math, I always think I'm decent <laughs> at math, and then I think that I'm an idiot because there's Jim Sonnes who's given us one-sixth. I'm just looking at it saying, all right, there are my numbers. I'm not going to overreact to that one, and I'm just going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's like how a grandma explains how to make a recipe. That's how I am. I'm just like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Jim, I'm excited because of primetime games too. Primetime games are great for DFS slates. They're great for props. A lot harder for props, yet you can't find edges. How are you going to approach primetime games differently in props and DFS than you would in a normal Sunday slate? I think the good thing is I have more time to dig in. Like, that's that's the one thing that's helpful, Ariel. Because, like, if we're looking at Sunday, we've got, I think, 13 or so games on the, the main slate between the 1 p.m. and the 4 p.m. games. It's harder to dig in and, and, you know, really get into, like, the granular stuff. But, like, I can allow myself to be more aggressive with props for Sunday Night Football and for Monday Night Football because I just have more time uh, to focus on those games. So that's a big deviation for me is I just have more time and because, like, there's only a limited amount of time during the week. I'm looking at baseball, looking at NASCAR stuff. I have more time to di dive into props with the with the island games, Thursday night as well. So I think that's the big advantage is I have time to, to look at more props, try to find more try to find uh, better lines because I talk myself out of more bets than I talk myself into in general. I can be a bit more aggressive with those island games just because I have more time. So that's the one difference for me is I am more willing to go with some props there because I can devote more attention to it. It does mean the books are probably paying more attention as well, but I just feel more confident when I have more time to devote a higher percentage of my research to those slates than I do if it's a full Sunday 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. slate. Jim, I have absolutely loved the prop market so far this NFL season. It was very kind to me last night for the five prop plays that I had hit. I remind people at all time, if you're looking for edges, especially early on this season, on the sportsbook, 
the prop market is the way to go. Has there been a specific category within the prop market that you have been targeting more than most so far this season? I tend to go towards first touchdown score because I, I shouldn't. Like, if we're crazy. like, if I'm trying to be You're realistic, crazy. I shouldn't. But, like, I just think it's a really fun market because I feel like a lot of times it skews a bit too heavily towards the team that's favored, and I try to exploit that because we don't know who's going to get the ball first. You can predict that based on tendencies, based on uh, how they decide whether they want to receive the kick and stuff like that. But, like, for the most part, underdog teams tend to be valued or undervalued there. So I try to find spots where I think that a team may be undervalued. I feel good about my numbers that I use for DFS in predicting red zone usage for running backs, and I like to exploit it that way. So... I'll try to find a guy who has good red zone usage for his team, try to find a spot where they may be a bit undervalued based on the way the books expect the full game to play out. And I wind up going there. I don't know if that's the most sound like betting practice, be betting like first touchdown scores <laughs> because it is very random. You're getting long numbers. But like if I'm talking fun and I do want my betting to be fun in addition to being profitable, I wind up liking those. I'm not necessarily recommending people do that. This might be a do as I say, not as I do type thing. But like, if I'm just talking like fun, Ben, I really enjoyed those first touchdown scores. I don't know if it's good. We it's have been to profitable. get to break. Make yeah. sure to catch Jim Sonnet's number fire, FanDuel. I'm here every Friday. Thanks, Jim. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Arielle Epstein. Every Friday, Ben does a segment, and it is so much fun because you get to hear someone else's perspective. Actually, a lot of different people's perspectives. That's not just ours. Let's get to Benny. Benny and the Bets. As you walk through the streets of New York, you see a ton of sad faces and people crying out, why? Why us? What did we do to deserve this? The reason they ask those questions is because both of their football teams, the New York Giants and the New York Jets, are winless, 0-2 so far this season. So we ask the people of New York, who wins first? What do you think about the state of New York football? Uh, we've been better, certainly we've been better. How would you sum up New York football in one word? Disappointing. <laughs> Who wins a football game first, the Jets or the Giants? The Giants. Okay, why? Because the Jets suck. Uh, I hope the Jets, because I hate the Giants. Go Birds. I'm a Jets fan, I still gotta go with the Giants. Giants. Jets. Jets. Giants, baby. How about the Jets? Is this, I don't even know, is it still Sam Darnold or no? I'm against the Jets, so I'm gonna vote for Giants. When do, when do they win their first game? <sighs> I don't even know when that could be. Giants. Hopefully Giants. Giants got the Falcons this week. I uh, just root for the Giants. I'm hoping that they would win. Uh, they won more than uh, the Jets last year, so. Giants. Say so Jets are the better team, so probably Jets. Do the Jets beat the Broncos? You think the Giants win this weekend? Giants will win, yeah. I don't have faith in the Falcons. No, 
Falcons take that home, and Broncos are decent too, so I'd say no. Look at all this green grass. Reminds me of football. Can we have your best Zach Wilson impression? Let it rip. Give it to the Can other team. Someone. Intercepted, ha ha, Zach. Ready, set, hike. Throw it. Intercepted. Do you want to give us your best Daniel Jones impression? What's that? Hey. Oh, he fumbled it. I'm going to fumble and I'm going to throw a pick. I mean, I'm going to do anything but put it in my own end zone. Ready. Oh, he fumbled it. At least I'm not a Jet fan, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm leaving today. Who is the best football team in the state of New York? Giants. The Giants. Buffalo. Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills. Um, Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. I like the Bills, so that's that's. I'll take that. I want to be a part of it, New York. A Danny Dime. Here's to hoping one New York football team gets a win this weekend. I love that you gave love to the Buffalo Bills and being a New York team. When you flip that coin, you know you were just betting on the Bills to win this week, Ben. Maybe I was. But I think, really, when you asked the people of New York and you saw by that scoreboard counter there and our wonderful editor, Ryan, throwing in that beautiful graphic, most people believe in the Giants, which is how the FanDuel Sportsbook also feels slightly aerial because the Giants, a three-point favorite against the Falcons this Sunday. The Jets, the biggest underdog on the board, getting 10.5 points against the Denver Broncos. So I agree with the people of New York. I think the Giants have a better chance of winning first. Will it happen this Sunday? That remains to be seen. But as we also discussed there, the two New York football teams, the New York Jets and the New York Giants, actually play in practice in New Jersey. It's the Buffalo Bills, because nobody circles the wagons like that team from Western New York up there in Buffalo. I do find it hilarious that still to this day, coaching change, second pick in the draft, Jets fans even are fading themselves. Giants fans were prevailing <laughs> in the Benny and the Bats. Great stuff. Absolutely love it. Love the Daniel Jones guy, too, who just dropped the football when you asked him yeah. to do his best Daniel Jones impression. Awesome stuff stuff okay let's get into our own picks because we do have some picks for this weekend that we want to give out Ben, what would you say is your favorite going into this weekend all right so we're running the triple option here you know i'm a big 10 guy through and through that means establishing the run and nothing that establishes the run schematically like the triple option so i have a side a total and a prop that i love for the weekend three best bets if you will let's start with the side I really like this matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings. And in fact, the number has worked in my favor. It opened with Seattle being a one-point favorite on the road in Minnesota. When I saw it, it was minus one and a half. That's when I got in. It's now minus two and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And as you look at this game, look at that total first and foremost. 55 and a half, tied for the highest total this weekend, along with the Bucks and the Rams. There's a reason that total is at 55 and a half. Minnesota has allowed their opponents to score 30 and a half points. Seattle, 24 and a half. Both bottom five in total defense as well. Seattle Ariel is allowing 434 yards per game. Minnesota, 
420. Minnesota also has been over in both of their games by an average of nearly 10 points per game. But all that to be said about the offense that we can see, and I think we can expect a high-scoring affair in Minnesota on Sunday afternoon, I just think Seattle's the better football team. I have not been impressed by anything I've seen out of the Vikings so far this year. Losing to the Bengals week number one and just barely losing to the Arizona Cardinals last week thanks to a late missed field goal. Seattle really should be 2-0. Tennessee came back and barnstormed them in that second half focusing on Derrick Henry. So I think you could maybe look to a Dalvin Cook rushing yards prop against a bad Seattle rushing defense so far that ranks second to last in the NFL. But even with that said, I love what Seattle is doing offensively. Russ seems to be cooking already. Tyler Lockett is a huge deep threat. We haven't even seen all that much from DK Metcalf. I have much higher aspirations for the Seattle Seahawks team this year than I do for the Minnesota Vikings. When I got them only laying one and a half and it's still even inside that key number of three, I think Seattle goes on the road and covers that spread of two and a half as it stands right now. Loved it at one and a half, pretty much a pick them as well. Good get, get in the line before it moved again in your favor. So Seattle now moved uh, move from one and a half to two and a half. The only way that I also, well, not the only way, but the way that I was looking to play that game was the over on the passing touchdowns for the quarterback of the Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Last year, he had at least two touchdown passes in every home game. If you get a one and a half, I would definitely take the over. One of my favorite bets going into this weekend is the Rams at plus one and a half against the Buccaneers. I know it's probably a fade the public move. People are going to see, oh, only have to lay one and a half on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, it's only minus it's like a short money line. I could go and bet Tampa Bay to win. They've looked great. Can you guys please go back and look at who Tampa played? They played the two worst defenses in football. They got the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons. In fact, it was one game, it was one position in the Dallas Cowboys game that decided the game, and it was the last one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers ended up scoring Tom Brady magic, and they win just because of that last possession. Last week against the Falcons, it was a good game. Atlanta was in it at halftime. In fact, I thought Atlanta was going to cover their four, their 12.5-point spread until there was some uh, defensive mishaps. Go figure. Now you've got, a, finally, a defense, a good defense. The Los Angeles Rams have the defensive player of the year multiple times on their team, and that's Aaron Donald. He's going to look to feast on Tom Brady and make Brady feel the pressure. Brady's offensive line's been great. They just haven't really faced any defenses yet. The Bucs also started the year at home. Both their games were at home. Not only are they on the road, they've got to travel west. I do believe this line is a slight overreaction. It was a line flip. The Rams were initially favored, and the book flipped it in favor of Tampa. I'm going to go with the contrarian side and take the Rams at plus one and a half this weekend, Ben. But I also like a prop in this game. I think it could be a good prop game. Cooper Cup, longest reception. Oh, Come on. The guy's hit it in every oh. week so far this year. Dive into that prop, prop queen, if you will, and then I'll go to my wide receiver prop, but I want to hear about Cooper Cup first, who hit for me in a big way last week. You are on fire with these props. I just feel you got to keep going as, as someone's hot. I mean, you're watching these highlights right now. If you're watching with streaming, Cooper Cup has had some deep balls every week so far this season. This has been Matt Stafford's guy. He's so excited to have a wide receiver like Cooper Cup who could just run these post routes. He can do this yards after catch on the slant. He does it all. Cooper Cup and his longest reception, don't overthink it. I overthought it yesterday in Thursday Night Football. I knew that DJ Moore is the deep threat, and I decided 
Well, multiple wide receivers are going to do it. I'll take the lower number and just take Robbie Anderson, who was four and a half yards less. I believe that there's going to be multiple deep balls caught in that game. And I went with the one that wasn't the obvious answer. This time, I'm not going to do that. I'm going with the obvious answer, and it's Cooper Cup on a longest receptions prop. Tampa Bay's secondary has allowed for at least two wide receivers to have 20-plus yard receptions in both games already. That includes the Atlanta Falcons last week. Ben, that's why I like Cooper Cup longest receptions on top of the Los Angeles Rams plus one and a half. That connection and the relationship that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have already built in their short time together in L.A. is going to be profitable all year long. I also look at that game. We discussed it with Jim Saunas. I would also take a slightly contrarian view to that total that is a little bit lofty at 55 and a half. Again, the Bucks defense has not been great this year. The Rams have given up a good chunk of yardage. But when you think about last year and what these defenses can be that returned so much of that production, two top seven scoring defenses in the NFL a season ago. The Rams, the second best scoring defense in the league a season ago, only allowing 19 points per game. I think 55 five and a half is just a little bit too lofty although Cooper Cup certainly can have a long touchdown and that total can still stay under my favorite prop of the weekend is Keenan Allen another wide receiver prop receiving yards props total receptions props have been some of my favorites this entire year Keenan Allen also in a game that should be a shootout at Arrowhead on Sunday afternoon between the Chiefs and the Chargers the total for that game down by a hook from where it opened now at 54 and a half the Chargers a six and a half point underdog you talk about connection and relationship between a quarterback and wide receiver well Justin Herbert loves him some Keenan Allen in his two years there with the Los Angeles Chargers Keenan Allen's receiving yards prop is out already on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 82 and a half Keenan Allen has easily sailed over that number in both of the games averaging 104 yards receiving so far this year I mentioned that relationship that's a key handicap anytime you dive into a receptions prop or a receiving yards prop is how many times the quarterback targets said wide receiver. Keenan Allen has been targeted the fifth most amount of times in the NFL this year. 21 targets from Justin Herbert. Week number one, nine grabs on 13 targets, 100 yards against the Washington football team. Last week against the Dallas Cowboys, only four receptions, but on eight targets and still had 108 yards against the Dallas Cowboys. So Keenan Allen has sailed over this number of 82 and a half by at least 17 yards per game. I like Keenan Allen to do the same against a Chiefs pass defense that's allowing 267 passing yards per game. I think the Chargers can air it out in Arrowhead on Sunday. I think the Chiefs win, by the way, as I am a Chiefs fan, but Keenan Allen goes over his prop of 82.5 for receiving yards. My last one is the Saints. I'm going to take the points with New Orleans. I do believe that against a Patriots team that although they have a really, really tough defense, the Saints have the ability to outscore Mac Jones and the Patriots. The Patriots are going to try to win this hard-fought, low-scoring battle. You could see it in the total. The total is sitting around 42. I still do have faith in James Winston and what he did against Green Bay Week 1. Even though last week was a down week for New Orleans, I do believe in what the Saints' offense can produce, and I do believe that they could produce more points than the New England Patriots with a potential outright win. I think the game's close. That's why I'd be willing to take the points with New Orleans, not going to overreact to what happened in Week 2. Coming up next, it is our best bets of the day until bet do us part. You're listening here on Sirius X. Channel 204 on a football Friday on the morning after. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. segment on the morning after on sports grid thanks for tuning in on sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein it's time for our best bets of the day let's get to to bet to us part it is a football friday time to give out some nfl picks i'm gonna start with the vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. I do believe Kirk Cousins goes over his passing touchdowns prop of one and a half touchdowns against the Seattle Seahawks. Cousins is a different quarterback when he's at home. In fact, according to odds makers, it's a running joke that they're going to continue to book Kirk Cousins in a way that makes the public want to bet him when he's on the road. They just know he's not covering and he's not winning when he's on the road. When he's at home, there's no joke on Kirk Cousins. Cousins last year playing at home had three passing touchdowns in all but two home starts last year. This year, he has two passing touchdowns in both of his starts, and those were on the road. Now he's coming back home, new new location, new cousins. He's not the same quarterback when he is at home. He is much better. He's going to be happy to be at the home park, so give me the over. One and a half passing touchdowns on Kirk Cousins this weekend. Ben, what do you got? Ariel, I mentioned my triple option as we broke down our NFL Week 3 picks. I gave you a side and a prop. I saved my favorite total for my TV'd up of the NFL Weekend number 3 slate. It's the Arizona Cardinals team total in the first half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's currently at 16. The over is even money. Over 16, plus 100. Thank you very much. The Cards going up against the Jags, who are the seventh worst scoring defense in the NFL so far. The Cardinals, the second best scoring offense, averaging 36 points per game. They have gone over this number of 16 in the first half in each of Arizona's first two games. 24 in both of those. They'll go over again against Jacksonville and score a ton of points. Arizona's first half team total over with even money at 16. You're really getting into the weeds of the props market. I absolutely love it. Thank you for joining us here on The Morning After. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Enjoy your weekend. Good luck. See you Monday. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games? We do. 